Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12-ish podcast uh, here on the Andy Staples and Friends feed. We're very happy to be back with you here on this uh, beautiful Thursday morning. Happy to be joined, as always, by Max Olson and Sam Kahn. Um, guys, we got a lot to talk about today. The, the fall camps are in full swing. There's some quarterback battles. Sam was out at, at Texas yesterday. I want to start, though, with the State Fair of Texas because... <laughs> I, I uh, we, we've been we've been running this uh, this series on the athletics been really terrific. There's been some great essays written about the 50 things that we're the most excited about for the 2021 season in light of all that we lost last year. And, uh, you know, Max, you wrote an awesome essay about your son. I thought that was one of that's one of my favorite ones that we've run yet. Um, but mine's coming for you here tomorrow because I'm writing about, uh, the return of the state fair of Texas. Um, because Max, I know that you and I have covered that game together many times. Sam has never been, but hopefully this year you will. Um, I wrote about the return of the state fair of Texas because last year was just weird. Last year sucked not having that, uh, that event. And so, uh, that event around the OU Texas game, it just completely, took away from what I believe is the greatest atmosphere in college football. So, um, yeah. and I talked to someone from down there, they are moving full steam ahead with plans to have the state fair. And we now know of 10 of the new foods that will be available. Max, I know you've just been perusing that oh list. My God. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, we we're, we're leading with this today just because Jason sent a link of, of of the the new foods at the Texas State Fair, and I'm I'm sorry to all the other Big Twelve listeners who I'm sure don't want to hear about Texas and Oklahoma at all on this podcast ever, ever again. again. But ever again, unfortunately, it's that's how it's going to go. <laughs> and I just I just I think the public needs to know about brisket brittle. You know, oh. I think that's that's what we're leading the podcast with today. Yes, um, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's peanut peanut brittle, but they've replaced the peanuts with brisket, and um, you know that. That gives I don't I don't know if I'll be at the game this year. It was weird not being in it last year, but that really gives me hope that this season is is truly upon us. And as weird as it might get, boy, I, I would love it if the state fair was, you know, if we're all doing a little better as a country, and and then you know that the state fair could be as normal as possible. Because I would like to try some brisket brittle. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Uh, I know you've never experienced the state fair, but have you have you had a chance to look at that list? Is anything you know catching your eye? Jason, I'm looking at this deep fried Halloween, which just oh, yeah. looks like a smorgasbord of colors and candy. It is a pretzel topped with candy corn syrup, powdered sugar, sprinkles. Uh, I see M&Ms on here. There's Reese's peanut butter cups on here. There's marshmallow whipped cream. I, there's just all kinds of stuff going on here. It sounds like and the pretzel Michael Scott got in the office. Yeah, I was going to say it's exactly like what it sounds pretzel, like for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think when I go to the State Fair this year, I'm definitely going to try a deep fried Halloween. I don't know that looking at the size of it, I don't know that I could finish it, but I'm definitely got to try that. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- there's a lot of great stuff on there. I do have to say, though, I just filed that essay and I, I'm a little upset with my editor, our, our, our all of our friend Kate Heropolis, who's a Dallas native. She never told me mm-hmm. in all the years I've known her that the tickets, the coupons carry over from year to year. I never knew that. Did you know that, Max? I'm sure that I've saved them, but I I definitely have not ever thought to bring them back. Yeah, me either. Me either. Damn it. Well, now we know. Now we know. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's get serious here. Moving on to uh, to actual football. Sam, last night uh, Texas had an open practice that uh, I wouldn't know what that's like, but I'm very interested to hear <laughs> um, <laughs> what what it's like from your end. Uh, your mind can't even conceive what that would look like. I mean, you're telling me you got to watch more than just stretching. I'm, 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 I got to watch more than just stretch. I got to watch two full hours of practice. Not full pads. They were in shells, shoulder pads, and shorts. But and the weather was nice. Like for a Texas evening in August, I was pleasantly surprised with how nice it was. But yeah, it was it was very it was very active. It was very interesting. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about this quarterback battle between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, and I got to say. I don't feel like there's a dominant player out of those two right now that has separated himself from the other guy. I think hmm. that that both of those guys have their strengths. Casey Thompson to me looks like a guy when he's back there. He has some command. He looks natural in the pocket. He, he makes really good decisions uh, and, and throws the ball pretty accurately. But then I watch Hudson Card and I see a guy who's moves moves well, throws on the run well, and when he when the ball comes out of his hands, I mean it is just humming. I mean when he throws to the opposite side of the field or when he throws outside the hashes on the short side, I mean it gets there in a hurry. And so both of those guys made some plays last night, but also both of them had a couple of misfires and and miscues throughout the night. So uh, Steve Sarkeesian said after his scrimmage on Saturday that he doesn't necessarily have a timeline on naming a starter. Obviously, you have to do it before they open the season on September 4th against Louisiana. But to me, I I took that as kind of coach speak. But after watching last night, I kind of think he's got a tough decision on his hands. That's interesting. I And you think back to, you know, the last time Texas went through this, you know, you had Sam Ellinger and uh, Shane Bouchelle, and both had played – Played more at that point, you know. We you had a lot better sense of what either, either could do. Certainly different players, and that's that's true in this case too. Um, and you know, one thing they were able to do in that eighteen year was keep both of them on the team, you know, and and just you know, I, I think now that the transfer deadline has passed, it doesn't really make sense for either of these guys to leave if they don't get the job because they won't get to play anywhere this fall. So I do. Do you do you think Sam that part of this is just you know, you kind of try to keep them both happy and you try to, you know, maybe you just plan on a season where one of them starts nine and one of them starts three. You know what I mean? Just you sort of brace for the, the probably, you know, having to use both of them at some point this year. Yeah, I think Steve Sarkeesian planted that seed a little bit last month at Big 12 Media Days where he, he started to say, we're going to need both guys that yeah. it's going to be hard to get through a 12 game season with one guy, which again, I think is a degree of coach speak, but I think there's also a degree of truth to that. And they cannot afford to lose one of these guys because they only have one scholarship quarterback behind the two. And that's true. Freshman Charles Wright, local guy from, from Austin. So right. they're not in a position where they can lose another scholarship guy. They, they need all the depth they can get at that position. So uh, I, I think he's going to play it out as far as he, he needs to and for that reason. But also, like I said, I, I generally think he's got a tough choice. And I was talking with some of the other guys there last night. And I think uh, usually at this point in training camp, you've seen guys and you think to yourself, that's the guy. And I, I, I think both of them have been pretty solid, but I haven't come away with that impression from either guy. I think if if I was 
if I was the coach and making the decision, if I was leaning toward it, I probably lean Hudson Card just because the pure ability and the way he spins it. Yeah. But again, it's a very close decision. And I think I go back and forth between the two because I like how comfortable Casey Thompson looks when he's back there. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's funny, like people, you know, when you you know, let me let me explain this to you, Jason, just since you haven't seen a live practice, in, you know, in your time on <laughs> speed. You know, if like I, I remember there was one year when Mac Brown opened up fall camp for a week to watch the whole thing. And it's like the more you watch every day, the, you felt like the less you know, because, it, you know, it's easy on message boards and stuff to say, oh, this guy had a really great day. This guy had a bad day. But then the opposite happens the next day, you know, and that's kind of what's hard about some of these battles yeah. is like going into last night. I'm sure there are some people thinking, you know, it's kind of setting up for for card here. And then, you know, maybe one, you know, card doesn't have as good a day or, or Thompson has a better day or whatever. Like, I, I think the back and forth of these things, um, especially in August, is is often hard to like. I think it's hard, you know, coaches, you have to kind of add up the whole month and not just sort of, there's there's not always a momentum that, oh, it's really heading in this direction and this guy gets all the reps now. So I'm curious to see where it goes. How, how do you feel about just what you saw overall from Texas, Sam, and just how, you know, how talented they are, some of the uh, the, the the positional spots that, 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 you know, either they're weaker or they've still got to figure out. I mean, what, what was your, when you think about, especially just can this team kind of get to the ceiling of how, you know, how many wins they could potentially get. Like what'd you take away from getting to actually look at Texas? Yeah. I I love the tight ends. They they have a ton of those guys and and that's going to be a big part of the offense. One thing they did a lot was line up in 12 personnel and Jeff Banks, uh, special teams coordinator, tight ends coach said straight up, he goes, we we line up in two tight ends about 30, 40% of the time, Alabama. So it's going to be a big part of what we do here. So uh, they've got really good tight ends with Cade Brewer uh, Jared Wiley moves around really well for big guys has been really good as a attached blocker. And I'm really impressed with their freshmen. They got three freshmen, Gunnar Helm, uh, Juan Davis, and the guy who really stands out to me is Jatavian Sanders. I don't know how much Jatavian is going to play yeah. tight in this year, but boy, he moves well for a guy that's six, four, six, five and two fifty. Like the guy, the guy is just, it's, he screams five-star prospect, which as you said, he was out of Denton Ryan. Uh, the defensive interior, I like a lot. I like more Ojimo. He's really coming to his own. Keandre Coburn's a veteran who who plays like one. Uh, I think they're going to be really good on the defensive interior. My, my questions, I think, just like they had come out of camp, were at linebacker. But DeMarvin Overshone being healthy is going to be a really, really big deal because you know he, he missed spring with that shoulder injury. But, boy, that guy has some burst. He's explosive, fun to watch. And I think they look pretty good in the secondary uh, you know, Josh Thompson and Deshaun Jameson, you know, both really, really look good. Last night I was impressed with the way Thompson played. Uh, and I think they've got a lot of experience on the back end. So I, I think they're going to be pretty good, solid at corner. They're going to be solid at nickel. Uh, you know, Anthony Cook flashed a little bit last night. I think the questions I have are a little bit, again, at linebacker with, with who's lining up next to De, next to uh, DeMarvin Overshone. Uh, you know, Luke Brockemeyer was was out there, former walk-on. He was out there getting the snaps, and he's been having a really strong camp. And Sark says that the guy knows what to do. He plays fast. He cuts it loose. Uh, you know, but that linebacker spot has been one of questions throughout this offseason because the, the depth just isn't there for them. Yeah. And then on the offensive line, you know, Kyle Flood's moving guys around. He's got, uh, you know, they've got Derek Kirstetter coming back off that, you know, gruesome lower leg injury. Uh, but but he's he's back. He's solid. You know they got a lot of you know veteran tackle on Christian Jones. 
uh, Jake Majors at center who started late last year and they got a couple experienced guards. So uh, I think they're solid on the O-line. I wouldn't call them great, but they're, they're experienced and they're solid. But uh, the other guy that I wanted to see last night that I could not see was Xavier Worthy, the true freshman. He's a guy that's going to add some really needed speed at receiver. A lot of buzz and, there. Yeah, and yeah. He, he he was sick, so he wasn't there. Not not cover related. We're told he's just sick, so he was out in a practice last night. But uh he's he's a guy that I think that they really need to come on at receiver. Uh but Joshua Moore looked good. Uh Jordan Wood- Whittington looks put together really well. And then Troy Amiri had a really nice practice to start, but then he went down with it looked like an apparent injury and, and had to leave in the middle of practice. So we'll see what his status is. But um it's a team I think with some decent talent. Uh, it doesn't it uh, I don't look at them and say Big Twelve champion or anything like that right off the bat, but I think uh Sark has a pretty decent foundation to build on here. Well, that's uh, that's all great, great info, Sam. And uh, Longhorns will certainly be a, an interesting subject as we as we go along. But there are other quarter. Speaking of the quarterback battles, there are other ones going on in the Big Twelve. I mean, several teams have ongoing quarterback battles. I'm I'm curious, uh, Max. I'll just throw it to you. What you kind of think about some of the other QB battles going on? There are some very good established starters coming back, but there's also still some some questions in some other places. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I made some calls this morning just to kind of see where, where things are at around the conference. It, it sounds like at Baylor, that's certainly an interesting one, and you've written about that, Sam, in their state of the program that got some got four really intriguing guys there um it, it seems like right now it sounds like maybe Gary Bohannon has a slight edge over Jacob Zeno um but I think that that's I I think there's still a lot of indecision there in terms of what direction they're going to go in and I think Blake Shapin I don't know if he's ready to be the guy yet but I think he's going to be really legit I think he's definitely got some hit factor in that that room so I think the experience for Bohannon it seems like that's maybe a slight edge here but Another situation where you could see, you know, uh, Bohannon and Zeno playing playing quite a bit this year. Kind of similar take, it sounds like, on, on the Kansas situation. Um, you've got Miles Kendrick and Jalen Daniels back. You've got Jason Bean from North Texas competing there. It sounds like a slight edge for Miles Kendrick as the guy that's just a little more consistently good. I think maybe the upside on Jalen Daniels is, is exciting, but that's still really young kid, um, 18 year old kid who still, still has a lot to learn and has gone through a lot of, a lot of change already in his, his short career. It sounds like Bean can, can move a little bit and, and, and there, you could find a package for him. So I'm curious to see how that one, especially with a brand new staff like that, does that one just sort of keep developing over the course of the season? Cause they didn't really get to have the spring to figure out what these guys can and can't do. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, Sam, if we're calling Texas Tech a quarterback battle. Tyler Shuck was named a captain, so that kind of tells you what, what that team thinks. And it, they've got a ton of arms in their room. But, um, you know, it seems like that one's that one is is probably going his way. And then it, I asked on West Virginia, it sounds like um, you wonder – I just was curious if, if Garrett Green or somebody else was pushing there, and it sounds like 
Um, really rave reviews on what Jarrett Diggy has done this offseason in terms of, um, you know, physically, you know, getting in really, really great shape, being in the, um, you know, being in the film room all the time and in the building all the time. Uh, it sounds like he's really stepped up this offseason and there's, there's not, you know, there's competition, but, um, you know, I think there's a, I think around there, it sounds like people are really happy with, with what he's done and I'm interested to see what kind of step, you know, he can take, uh, you know, this year with where they're at in, in their buildup. So which, which of those, uh, you know, I'll throw it to you, Sam, since you've written on some of these a bit, which of those intrigues you guys the most in terms of, you know, it, and it's hard to make that decision. You know, we'll see with some of these, if the decision at the end of August is the same one in October, November, but, um, which of those intrigues you guys the most in terms of affecting a team's uh, upside here? Yeah, definitely Kansas obviously is super important because of just the circumstance of the situation. And, you know, it was interesting to hear, like you said, Kendrick seems to have an edge there. I, I was really intrigued when Jason Bean transferred. He's a pretty solid quarterback for North Texas. Uh, so I'm curious to see if he can find his way into the mix over there. Uh, Baylor is probably the one that's most fascinating to me of the bunch. I think, like you said, over at Texas Tech, I think Tyler Shuck's going to end up being the guy. But Baylor, to me, with those three guys, Gary Bohan and Jacob Zeno and Blake Shapen, I think is super intriguing. I think Shapen's raw talent is something that they they love. But uh, one thing I heard throughout the offseason was, hey, he's got to be a little more consistent on decision-making. Bohannon, I think, where you say that you know he may be a little bit ahead, one thing that works well for Bohannon in this offense is Jeff Grimes' offense is going to be a lot of play-action pass. And Dave Aranda said, you know, when I went to a, an event he was at earlier this offseason, said Bohannon does really well on the play action pass and rollout. And he's got one of, he's probably got the strongest, throws the best deep ball of the bunch. And those are really important parts of Jeff Grimes' offense. And that's not to say rule out Jacob Zeno. I think Zeno, uh, from what, everything I've heard, has been pretty consistent and is a solid guy. And we, we saw flashes of what he could do. Jason, I'm sure you, you remember know, that Big 12 championship game. <laughs> that was such an interesting moment, too, in hindsight now, because you say, you know, Jacob Zeno built this reputation off two huge throws in that game mm-hmm. coming in to, to, you know, take Oklahoma to overtime. And last year you had a lot of Baylor fans who were frustrated with Charlie Brewer and saying they want to see Zeno, they want to see Zeno. And we didn't really get to see what Gary Bohannon could do in that moment in 2019 because he was banged up. Like they put him in first over Zeno mm-hmm. against Oklahoma, but um, but he was banged up and, and wasn't really totally ready to show what he could do. So there's been the hype on Zeno ever since those those missiles he was throwing against that Sooner defense in Arlington. But um, you know, I think Bohannon having that extra year of experience and being in this program a long time. You know, it sort of seems like in a, in a close thing that could end up being a little bit of an edge, at least to start the season. Yeah, he's played a lot. I mean, that's the thing. You yeah. look through his resume the last few years, he has played a bunch of football, uh, even though he's not been the full-time starter. And like I said, combined with his skills that, that seem to fit Grimes' offense, yeah, I, it makes sense to me why he, he may have a little bit of an edge right now. I would not be stunned at all to see him be the one that comes out of this as the winner. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean, Baylor's obviously – to me, the most interesting one. And, and I was going to say the same thing. I mean, Jacob Zeno, that name, I will always remember that name, regardless of whether he ever plays again because of that, because of those moments. That was, uh, that was, su- that was su- a great WTF moment in that big <laughs> title game. I, you know? I, I think I remember saying maybe to you, Max, like, who is Jacob Zeno? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, but, and then back to Kansas, um, you know, I did that state of the program, so I've, I'm a little more familiar with them. And uh, the interesting thing to me about Jalen Daniels, though, and Kendrick, 
I, I understand seems to have a little bit of a leg up here, but Jalen Daniels was 17 last year when he was playing for them. I mean, that is, that is pretty yeah. crazy. So he's still got a lot of upside, I think, but it, it will be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out and, and how bean factors in as well. I mean, like you said, Sam, obviously a huge decision for Lance Leipold um, to, to get things off to the right start. And, and, and one thing I was thinking back to Texas, you know, typically, a quarterback battle, even if, you know, you make the wrong decision, you have time to correct it. I mean, Texas has a tough non-conference schedule. I mean, there's not a whole lot of time here to, to you, you need to get this right, I guess is what I'm saying, because Louisiana and Arkansas are not pushovers for the first two games. No, no. I mean, you, you Louisiana's top 25 team. Yeah. You know, AP poll came out the other day. They're number 23. It's Texas is only two spots ahead of them right now. So uh, that that is a game, I, and I keep saying it, man. People do not. People need to be wary. Texas fans need to be very wary of that game, and I think they understand that. But I think nationally, if if Texas loses that game, it's going to come off as a disaster. Yeah. Where after we watched Louisiana do what it did to Iowa State last year, I don't think it should be a shock if it happens. Yeah. And we're talking about an Iowa State team that went to the Big Twelve Championship game. Uh, and they bring all those guys back, Napier's back. You know, the, the body type, some of the body types they have on that defense at Louisiana are looking like SEC body types. Like, they've got a legit talent on that team. Uh, and then that Arkansas game on the road, I mean, we, we've talked about it, and, and Jason, I think you know as any well as anybody in Fayetteville, uh, the passion uh, that they have for rooting against Texas. And the that atmosphere is going to be electric on September 11th. So, uh, and Sam Pittman's team, I mean, they, they, yes, they were three and seven last year, but three of those games, they lost by three points or less, including a, a game against Auburn. That I think a lot of people would say it should have gone the other way. It should have gone you know, the other way. The they got call. totally screwed. Should've. Yeah. Totally <laughs> yeah. Screwed. So, so, so that, that's a team that, that is played a lot better under Pittman playing hard. And, and I think that's going to be a competitive game when, when Texas goes there in week two. Yeah, I do too. Cause my time living out there, I can say that I don't know how much Texas thinks thinks about or cares about Arkansas or has over the last years. People in Arkansas hate Texas. They are very <laughs> excited about that game. I'm certain of that. So that should be a pretty pretty fun atmosphere. I'm I'm kind of jealous, Sam, that you're going to get to be there at that one. Oh, I, I when I saw that one on the calendar, I marked it down, and you can be damn sure I've already booked that one. Just, just nice. don't, don't send me texts of where you're eating because I'll just be jealous. <laughs> I need, I may need recommendations on where to I eat. I can because do that. I've, It's been five or six years since I've been there. I went, I went to Fayetteville uh, a couple times during my SEC travels, but it's been a while. So I need a refresher course on where to go. I, I can help you with that. I can help you with that. Um, you know, guys, the other thing today, we, uh, we actually very coincidental today uh, on Thursday, we published a, Big 12 roundtable with, uh, with the three of us and our, our uh, esteemed colleague, Bruce Feldman, sort of previewing the season a little bit. And I thought maybe we could go through some of that um, a, a little bit. And we'll, you know, a lot of it stems around the SEC stuff. We've talked a lot about that and we'll talk a lot more about that moving forward. But I thought maybe we could talk a little bit more about, um, you know, s- some of these other on the field things uh, th- that we sort of debated a little bit. So, um I, I, I guys, it's still it's still freaking wacky. I, I'm yeah. I'm hearing that they're like playing college football games next weekend. Like I haven't I haven't able been able to do any camp coverage with all the stuff that's going down yeah. in this conference lately. Like it's it's wild to me to like you know here in Nebraska, like they're playing next Saturday. They're playing a week zero game against Illinois, 
And it's like, it's, I, I don't know how you're feeling about this season. I feel like it's just totally sneaking up on me just because of all the chaos that's, that, that has occurred over the last month here. Well, yeah, because normally. See, I took, I took a, no, go ahead, Jason. Oh, sorry, Sam. I was just going to say, normally, you know, you go from Big 12 media days, you get a couple maybe light days, then you go uh, into camp and, and get ready for the season. This year, we went to Big 12 media days, and then the next week, you know, everybody knows what happened. Like, I told a bunch of people, hey, I may come visit you guys during camp. I, <laughs> it hadn't even occurred to me to make time for that. It's unfortunate, you know? No, I had a little bit of a realignment hangover that that first week after everything wrapped up. But I, come middle second week of April, I was I mean second week of August, I was able to shift into camp mode. And last yeah. night, being out at a practice, some nice breeze in a stadium with with people in the building, uh, it was a really nice reminder that hey, guess what? Ball is coming, it, and and we're talking about ball, which I'm I'm fascinated. Wait, I didn't ask you. Did you eat something good in Austin? No, unfortunately, because I got there late. Uh, I I had to go as soon as I got to my hotel. We had a Zoom presser with the coordinators, and then mm-hmm. as soon as that happened, I had to go uh, check in uh, and drive down to the practice. So hopefully today, I'm still here today and uh, doing this from my beautiful hotel room, and I will hope to get something really good before I leave because I will be back at uh, Texas practice today because we have more access today. So I'll no. go uh, this afternoon, but hopefully get to eat something good before I get. I, I was gonna say right, I have a lot of notes for you after the show here. I got a lot of notes for you. I was gonna, oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say, Sam, it looks like you're in a Marriott hotel room. I, 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 I am. Yeah, I am. I am getting my Marriott points. That's I, for sure. So. I, I, I can recognize that stuff right away. <laughs> um, uh, got to keep that platinum status. I, no I I slipped to gold last year. I'm I'm pretty disappointed in myself. I I, I slipped, mm. so I, I got to get. I, I haven't opened that app in a very long time. <laughs> I'm, sad to, I'm sad to say <laughs> you might yeah. you might be silver now, Max. Uh, I shoot probably so. <laughs> um, or whatever it is now. I think it changed. Titanium. I don't know what the what, what it changed, but anyway, titanium is the highest. That's above platinum. That's above platinum. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever getting to that. <laughs> so, welcome to the Marriott uh, Points Podcast. Ti- titanium Elite is that is here? Yeah, that's what you I think are. Good. Right now, okay. Yeah. Wow. So Max has got Dude, the I'm not, I, baller I'm not, status. Well, well, I have the credit card, but I haven't done. I've like I've done like one night this year or whatever. I haven't done. I haven't done anything. So yeah, yeah. We, we got some work to do. <laughs> you better you better take advantage of it while you still have it this fall. Let's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No kidding. Let's talk. We've a little lost bit. all the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk. This, a little. this is that part on the graph you see later on where it all just completely drops <laughs> off. Right, right. Everyone, everyone hung up. Well, let's try to get some people back. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought we'd maybe go through some of these that that we talked about, and and there's some really interesting uh, questions that we answered. And I'll start with the biggest breakout player. And Max, I'll, I'll start with you on that, on, on your choice. And, and we can kind of go through some, some of the, uh, some of the other people that, that are mentioned, but Max, I'll, I'll kick it to you. You know, it's funny when we, when we, uh, when we thought, you know, when we were talking about biggest breakout players in the big 12, I, I think we all immediately just thought to transfers because that's where this conference is going. You know, everybody, um, Pretty much everybody loaded up this offseason, whether it's just a couple guys that are kind of starter level, you know, um, you know, uh, additions to your team or, you know, some schools that brought in a ton of guys. Obviously, we've seen Texas Tech and, and Kansas and others, um, you know, really hit the portal hard. Iowa State, not really so much, but a couple couple impact guys. Um, the guy I, I went with for breakout player in the Big 12 and, and there's lots of returning guys we probably could have gone with, but 
um, as, as you can attest, Sam, everyone you talk to at Baylor, they say Apu Ika is going to be a monster in the middle of their defense. The nose tackle transferred from LSU. He's a, he's a, a 6'4", 350-pound nose um, who is, you know, and, and as we've seen with, um, you know, Ray Lehman at Iowa State, Bravion Roy at, at Baylor under rule, um, when you've got that that nose that can really, you know, control things up front and free up your linebackers, it makes a massive difference. Um, you know, we've heard nothing but good things about Apu you know, Siaki, Apu Ika. Ika. Uh, Ika? Oh, Ica. my God. Did it's I say Ica. it wrong? Yeah, it's Ica. Ica. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's let's – I'm going to try and press on here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Everyone said, everyone there says they think they've got, you know, one of the best defensive players in the entire big 12 there. And so I, I, you know, a lot of times the nose tackles, they don't, you know, when people watch TV, they don't say, Oh my God, look how good this guy is. Cause they don't, you don't really see the work so much, but uh, that's going to be a really fun player to watch. I I think for, for Baylor's defense. And I know you guys went with uh, a few other transfers as well. Who's sticking out to you? Yeah, I went with Muddy Waters at Texas Tech. Uh, I call him Muddy. I'm just used to calling him Muddy now because that's what they all call him at, at yeah. Tech. Marquise Waters, a transfer from Duke. Uh, 49 games played at Duke, started 35, and and played for Derek Jones, who's now his position coach at Texas Tech. So, uh, Max, you mentioned earlier this offseason, named a defensive captain already. He's a guy that as soon as he got there, Matt Wells and everybody on that staff – we're raving about the kind of impact he made. He can play all three positions in the secondary corner, nickel, safety. And so he's a guy that I think is going to plug and play and potentially be an all Big 12 type guy. So uh, I think Muddy's going to be a guy that we're going to hear a lot about this this season. Yeah, I, I went with Eric Gray, the the Tennessee to Oklahoma uh, transfer running back. The, the buzz out of really since January has been just huge that, that this guy – has really impressed the Oklahoma coaches, not just with his his talent, which is obvious from his couple of years at Tennessee, his his recruiting ranking. He's obviously a very talented running back, but the way that he's come in and and learned the offense really quickly, already sort of become a leader on the team. Um, I, I think that it will be very interesting to see the the uh, two headed monster there of him and Kennedy Brooks. I think, you know, last year, Oklahoma's run game was, was a weakness, at least until Ramondre Stevenson came back from that suspension. And uh, I just can't imagine that being the case this year with, with those two guys at the top and, and gray, especially the way that they can use him in the passing game. Um, he's a very different running back than Kennedy Brooks. So I think those two will complement each other nicely. I know Max, when you and Bruce did your, uh, your, your list of the biggest transfers, he was at the very top of it. And, uh, and I think he was probably there for a reason. So, uh, that, that's what I went with. Yeah. It, it's a guy that not, not a totally a household name last year. Um, he was sharing carries with Ty Chandler at Tennessee during his career, and obviously, uh, you know, offensively, Tennessee was was kind of all over the place during the Jeremy Pruitt era. Um, but you take a guy like as, as talented as he is and plug him into an offense that has always made running backs look really, really good. Also, because they just take really good ones. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see. And, and, you know, they've had that attrition this offseason, Jason, of, you know, Stevenson's playing for the Patriots now. But then you lose Pledger and McGowan. There's there's the opportunity there in terms of him being able to step in and get a lot of carries and and um, have a really significant role in this offense um, with Brooks back is, it, <laughs> I mean, they, 
they're loaded. What, what can you say? I mean, they're loaded. They, they, this is to have that 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 combo at running back is uh, is going to be a pretty scary thing for for I think opponents in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and uh, you know it, we should mention a lot of that will probably hinge on the offensive line. There are still some questions there for OU. They've still got to figure out who's going to play where, uh, who's going to start. Um, but I, after eight years of of knowing him and and following him, I I've sort of learn to give Bill Biedenboe the uh, benefit of the doubt uh, that I think he'll, he'll get that. He'll get those guys in shape and, and get that figured out. So, um, and then we should also mention Bruce, uh, Bruce's choice. He's not here with us on the podcast, but he went with another transfer, uh, Lance Dixon uh, transfer from Penn state to West Virginia linebacker. Uh, sounds like he's going to have a chance to, to have a big impact this year as well. Yeah. There's, there's just going to be a ton of guys across the conference. I know that K state staff is really happy about the guys that they were yeah. able to bring in. Um, you know, Texas, obviously Sam has had to load up, um, with a bunch of dudes, especially on defense and, and be curious to see if some of those guys like Ben Davis really do, you know, not just fill those needs, but, but play at a high level for them, Ray Thornton too. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's gonna, there's gonna be, I think people, we're just gonna have to get used to this. This is just like kind of free agency in this sport. And there's always going to be a lot of new names popping up in these lineups every year. No doubt. No, you mentioned K-State. Julius Brent's a corner, big, tall guy, long guy. I think uh, he had a really, really good spring and and physically just looks the part. I think he's a guy who could have real big impact for K-State. You mentioned those linebackers at Texas. Yeah, Ray Thornton uh, definitely is a guy who's made some waves since he's been there. Ben Davis is a guy who'll probably get some time. Uh, they got a lot of they had they had to get take a lot of transfers in the in the linebacker room, uh, but yeah this this is just part of the reality now. I mean Texas Tech heck about a third of the Texas Tech starters are going to be in transfers. I think I may be overestimating <laughs> that when I say that, but but they've got they took a lot of guys in the portal, and this is just the reality. This is kind of the new the new wave is hey we're going to sign our high school class, but we're also going to plug guys for immediate needs for the transfer portal, and, and we're we're going to get starters out of transfer port. We're not just getting depth guys anymore. Well, and, and as good as Greg could be, I mean, it, it wouldn't also be that shocking if, if Sonny Cumbie can, can build the kind of offense he wants with what they've got there at Tech, then I don't think anyone would be shocked if, if Shuck was the newcomer of the year in, in the Big 12 either. No, absolutely not. No, I think I think some people have said if he has a really big year, he could be looking at the draft next year, and he's got multiple years of eligibility left. But, but if things go well enough for him that, hey, he could be looking – at, at a pro future after the season. So I, I think I, I think he's a really good fit with Cumbie. Uh his his arm strength is clear to me when I went and saw them this offseason. I thought it was clear he's the most talented of the bunch. Uh so it'll be fascinating to see how quickly things uh pick up for him. Should we uh should we move into offensive and defensive players of the year? Because this is a this is a pretty interesting debate, particularly I think on the offensive side, because you've got um, Spencer Rattler, who's this, you know, viewed as this Heisman favorite or, uh, at least front runner, um, at quarterback, the quarterback of Oklahoma is always going to be in that conversation, at least as long as Lincoln Riley is there. But then there's also Brees Hall, who, um, was the big 12 offensive player of the year last year. And, very deservingly so was uh, was on a lot of Heisman ballots, including mine. So I uh, I, I think that's that's sort of an. I went with Rattler because he's the quarterback at Oklahoma and he's had a year of experience under his belt. And I think if he'd played the entire year last year the way he played the last seven or eight games, he may have been the, the offensive player of the year last year. But um, where did you guys kind of land on that? I'll, uh, Max, go to, go to you. <clears throat> you know I. I could still go in a few directions. I went Bijan. Uh, okay, Robinson. all right. I, I just think, I think that 
and and look, I I recognize that you know like he, he's he's making preseason All America teams right now based on like two or three great games he had at the end of the last year, right? So it's I know it's a bit of a pro- projection in terms of how everybody's sort of um, you know treating Bijan right now, but the guy put up 651 total yards over his last four games on only 55 touches. I mean that's that's 12 12 yards of play almost. So. Um, just that that finish last season, and I know Colorado wasn't great. I know K State was beat up and all that, um, but it was just such an absurd. You, you you feel like the light bulb came on for him, and he really broke out in a monster way. He's the best player on their team without without question. Um, you can ask anybody that, and so I think that the pure talent there and the combination of, you know, you've got one of the best play callers in college football. Obviously, Texas offense is not you know right now where it's going to be in a couple of years, but. Um, I think, you know, I think he can physically handle the workload of, of being a guy that, that gets 200, 250, uh, carries and, and, and really is, is ready for that step. But when you have Rashawn Johnson and, you know, you take Roe and you take, um, you know, you, you take the other backs they've got there too, which I, I think is, I think you, you'd say the depth there is pretty good, right, Sam, of all the spots they've got. Yeah, definitely. No, they got their, their four D with Keelan Robinson, the transfer behind Rashawn. And then you've got uh, Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks, I think, is going to be a good player. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think if they can keep him fresh and, and playing at that kind of level that we saw at the end of last season, I think he's got a chance to be one of the best players in the country. But you certainly could see, um, you know, Rattler or Brees Hall or even Brock Purdy, I think, being being the player of the year in, in this conference. If, if, yeah, I, I, I am on the B. John Robinson bandwagon like you, Max, because just as per, per play production, uh, of the guys in the country who had more than 100 touches last year, or at least 100 touches, Bijan was third in yards per touch behind mm-hmm. Devontae Smith and Elijah Moore. And that, to me, says a lot about his ability, not just as a runner, but also if they want to throw the ball to him. Uh, that said, I went with Brees Hall because these awards, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, a lot of times are also tied to team success. And Iowa State, in my mind, is a better team than Texas and Brees Hall. Let's not forget nation's leading rusher last year, 1500 yards uh, rushing 1700 yards from scrimmage, 23 touchdowns uh, back, got a loaded team around him, uh, you know, average 146 yards per game from scrimmage. I think Brees, we all know how talented he is and how good he's going to be. And, and maybe, you know, if, if Iowa state has the kind of season we think they can, you know, maybe it Brock Purdy is, taking some votes away from Brees Hall, too, because in, in theory he's going to have a good year as well. And I think we all think highly of Brock and how good a quarterback he is. The one guy who I did not get a mention in this who made me very sad, I almost picked him, but I had a hard time going against Brees Hall, was Deuce Fall. Oh. And I know Jason Kersey's on my on the bandwagon with me on Deuce I think Fawn. we all are. Yeah. Uh, I think we yeah. all are. It, 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 Deuce is – like I'm ex- if you want to tell me like the most exciting player to watch in this conference, it's probably that guy. And I, I – He's to me just on his poor town alone has a shot at this. I just don't know is K State going to be good enough? Are right. they going to be a team that contends for the conference championship that gets Deuce Vaughn in that Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year conversation? I don't know. I think having a healthy Skylar Thompson helps, but but Deuce, man, pound for pound, one of the most fun players and best think, players. I think we all want to see Deuce Vaughn touch the ball like thirty to forty times a game this <laughs> year awesome. and just go off on people. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, I got I got he a is. nice up close look at, uh, at him last year when they when they beat the Sooners. Interestingly, uh, 
the one game I saw Bijan Robinson play, he had seven touches in a four overtime loss uh, for the Longhorns. So I'm sure that's not at all a sore subject for uh, the Texas fans in our audience. But um, not at all. <laughs> what do you guys have for defensive player here? Yeah, I uh, I got Dante so, Stills, baby. Well, I, I'm I'm a I, I've been a big believer of the Stills brothers. I, when I went and saw them get uh, West Virginia and Baylor a couple years ago when West Virginia came down here. Oh, the Halloween game. Yes, it was. Oh, uh, it, they dude, were it, monsters in that they, one. They they were bananas. And Darius Stills is all he's he's in the league now. But Dante came back. He, he's trying to pad his his pro resume, get himself in position. Uh, to become a, a, an early round draft pick next year, and the guy's just relentless. Like he, he's a fantastic talent, and uh, I, I I've got a lot of love for the defensive linemen, the big the big guys, and I think Dante's got a real chance, real chance at it this year. You know, double digit tackles for a loss. He had I think eleven and a half last year uh, in in a short season. So uh, I I I love Dante. I think there's a lot of really good options here. I think Terrell Bernard's a guy that you got to keep an eye on at Baylor, but yeah. but Dante's my my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, I, I went with last year's uh, winner. I know that's probably an e- easy choice, but Mike Rose is such a uh, – Iowa State linebacker, Mike Rose is such a good player and uh, does so many things so well that, uh, to me, he he felt like the choice. I did think about going with Nick Benito at Oklahoma. I think that he uh, ended up last year as you know, one of the better pass rushers in the country, but um, – but yeah, I, I went with I went with Rose, but I could have gone a million different directions with that. I feel like too, Max. Uh, what what do you got? Yeah, I, I that's what I did. I I couldn't really pick one. I, I was kind of all over the place on this. I, I think yeah, Terrell Bernard. I, you, if he can can stay healthy this year, I think he's due for another another really big year. You know, I think I think it would be you know. There's a couple pass rushers that I could definitely see being the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. I could see O'Shawn Mathis, Nick Benito. You've mentioned. And then the the intriguing guy is is Will McDonald um, at at Iowa State, who you know was a was a backup last year, didn't start, um, still put up ten and a half sacks, which tied for the national lead. And he plays he played less than fifty percent of their snaps last season. Um, so can you make that jump from being a rotational guy that is is really really dynamic in your limited snaps to to being more of an every down guy? I know that's been a transition for him this offseason, but. That's a guy that that I think um, people probably are even even with tying for the national lead in sacks, people are probably still sleeping on Will McDonald a little bit. So they've got some they've got some dudes, and, and you know you could say the same for you know Greg Eisworth and others that they have back at Iowa State. Um, but Mike Rose is a good pick for now. I mean the just the leadership, the five picks, all that. Like he he's he he's he's a real he's a real dude. Uh, but they are uh, they're they're definitely I could see it going a bunch of different ways. Um, it seems like we all kind of agree, though, on who the the sleeper is in the Big Twelve this year. Well, uh, did we? Because uh, Sam says I. Sam said Iowa State, or not Iowa State, Kansas State. No, you didn't say Iowa, Iowa State. Kansas State. I'm so stupid. Sam said Kansas State. It's okay. Uh, and I, Max, well, and I both went with TCU. So Sam, explain yourself, yeah. Sam. Yeah, no, K State's a team that I think has shown that they can play with the best. You know, they've beaten Oklahoma in the last two years, and I think that speaks a lot to how hard Chris Kleiman gets his team to play. And, you know, they had a good first season in, in, in Kleiman's debut campaign, but last year things kind of went off the tracks when Skylar Thompson got hurt. You know, they, they seem to be moving in the right direction, started off pretty well. Obviously the Arkansas state loss was a little bit tough, but they bounced back with that Oklahoma win. And then Thompson goes down. Will Howard's forced in as a true freshman. And, and I think we've kind of forgotten about him a little bit just because, uh, you know, things just kind of went south with the uh, with circumstances and, you know, not having experienced quarterback hurts. 
So I think with Thompson back and Deuce Vaughn and, and some of the transfer we mentioned they brought in, I think they got a chance to make some noise. I really do, just because they are a team that has shown, hey, they can go out and beat anybody in this conference. That is fair. That is fair. I think I think if they if Skylar Thompson can can you know get through this season um, and, and get back to where he was at, I mean, you saw it against Oklahoma, Jason. I mean, I think that he was playing with so much confidence after that and was ready to really mm-hmm. light it up. And I think so that injury was a bummer, but you know they they became a little more one dimensional. Um, didn't really wouldn't weren't able to really get the the downfield passing game going quite quite the same with Will Howard, you know, being a freshman. Um, I, I think offensively, you know, it, you have a chance to build something this year that's not all deuce dependent. That you could you could. Um, you know, if, if, if those receivers have developed, you have a chance to be a little bit more dynamic. So I, I think, I think it's a good pick, but it seems like we're, we all kind of feel like, and Bruce, Bruce joined us on this. Um, I, I think TCU is a preseason top 25 team. They're not in the, in the AP top 25 or the coaches pool. Uh, I think they should be. Um, I, I, I think, I think this is the team, you know, <sighs> In, in, in a lot of years, you have a team that goes from unranked to, you know, top 15, top 10. I, I think it could be TCU this year. And, and I know you, you felt that way too, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, to be honest, I felt that way last year too. Uh, I really uh, spent a lot of time in the preseason believing TCU was going to do that. Then they, they, uh, they had some good wins and, and, you know, then it, uh, whatever. But I, I do think this can be the year. Uh, that they kind of get that back, get their mojo back. Uh, Gary Patterson is always going to have a good defense. Um, I think Zach Evans has obviously a chance to be a, an absolute star. Um, Max Duggan, uh, I'm a fan of Max Duggan. I think he's a, a good quarterback. I I just think there there's a lot to like about this TCU team this year. Uh, absolutely. So, um, and, and as far as Kansas State goes, the other thing about K State that I think maybe some people forget is they they did. It wasn't just that they beat Oklahoma and Norman. It was that they did it with a roster that was completely depleted. I mean, Max, I remember you wrote about yeah. that. Um, I mean, what what their travel roster was extraordinarily small, right? Uh, by comparison, yeah, they were yeah. missing like a there. There was like a week where they're missing like a ton of DBs as you go to Norman to play Oklahoma, yeah. which is like worst case scenario, yeah. and they still figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now obviously Spencer Rattler was still figuring things out. That could have been different if it had happened later in the year, but it was still an incredibly impressive win uh, for for Skylar Thompson and those guys. I agree with you guys a little bit on TCU to an extent. I think I think TCU's got a chance. I think the big thing for me to answer is Max Duggan is 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 he going to take the next step as a quarterback? I think the talent they got in that backfield. I think Zach Evans is ready to break out. I think they've got some really good talent at receiver. The O line is good. Brought in the transfer though, been easy, and the defense is you know it's Gary Patterson. You know their defense is going to be good. So I, I do agree that they're to me. Uh, they are in that mix. I, I just, I just think Kansas State's a team that we kind of slept on. And you know, another team that we haven't really mentioned that, that I've thought about is Oklahoma State. Is yeah, you know, yeah. you know that I think a lot of us have gotten used to Mike Gundy's teams being solid in the mix, good teams. But then they had a season last year where you kind of expected them to put it all together, and it just didn't work out. You know, and, and uh, Chuba's gone, and, and Tylen Wallace is gone. But they still got you know Spencer Sanders is now a multi-year starter. You know, they've got some veteran guys on defense. Colby Harvell Peel came back. Uh, I, I think they're an intriguing team for me to watch, j- just because I think there still is a lot of talent on that team, and, and they are still going to be in the upper half of the conference, in my opinion. I think so much of that will, too, depend on on Spencer Sanders and how, how he plays, if he's more consistent, if he doesn't make as many mistakes this year. Um, I, I'm still sort of intrigued by Shane Ellingworth behind him. I thought he uh, 
showed some things last year when, when he got in. So uh, Oklahoma State's one of those teams, at least it just feels to me like they're one of those teams that does better when people aren't expecting it. And I don't feel like people are expecting it this year. So yeah, Oklahoma State's a very good sleeper pick as well, I think. Um, let's wrap up on uh, our conference champion. I, uh, Max and I both picked Oklahoma, which would be the all-time greatest awkward trophy presentation Maybe in the history, I think it would even supersede Art Briles, uh, you know, basically yelling down photo with Bowlesby Bowlesby. on the stage in 2014. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, they've won it six years in a row. To me, it's hard to pick against a team that's won it six years in a row and is coming back with so much talent. So uh, to me, that wasn't. I think it would be great if like the as we're getting into the fourth quarter, the Big 12 officials are like, oh, man. Whoops, we forgot the stage. We forgot the balloons. <laughs> oh man, whoops. Guess we'll just bring the we'll bring the trophy to your locker room. Why don't you just go off to your locker room and we'll deal with or that maybe later. Maybe they'll just forget uh, the trophy. And and then if conversely if someone beats Oklahoma or Texas, then double everything. Double the stage, double the balloons and confetti. This has got to be just the greatest celebration of Ma- all time. Max is going to have us do it like a road team that wins the NBA finals on the road court. We're going to go back to our locker room and get like a bunch of curtains and just do the spray the champagne out there. <laughs> yeah. Bob Bulls be holding a bottle of champagne, spraying it all over the place. If somebody beats OU in the big 12 title game, of course, not Texas. Um, no, we were, we were I, pretty close. Am I a sellout for saying Oklahoma? Like, am I a sellout for not saying that Iowa state's going to win the big 12 this year? No, no, not at all. I mean, Oklahoma's the favorite, and they've they're bringing they've got probably the best defense they've had since Lincoln Riley's been there. It's uh, it's it's go- I'm going with the head over the heart here, unfortunately. Um, you know, and and one thing I noticed that 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 I, I think Oklahoma's just a really easy pick for the playoff this year. Um, and and I think you know uh, Bill Connolly, who does a great job at ESPN, his his preseason SP plus rankings, um, you know, has Oklahoma in line with with all the other polls do at number three. But he has them as, as, you know, potentially having the number one offense and number 16 defense in the country. And, and I think in any other year, Jason, you know, if, if you give Oklahoma the number 16 defense in the country with what Lincoln Riley has done offensively, then that team has a chance to win a national championship. Oh, number 16 defense in 2017 or 2018, and they do win at least one national championship. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And so um, I, I think that's the difference this year. That's the thing that everybody's going to be talking about. Their defense is so much better. They've got... Uh, they've got dudes all over that defense. You know, I, I mentioned earlier the, uh, you know, you don't learn much from 20 minutes of stretching, but I do have to say one thing I did learn in the two practices w- that where we've been allowed to do that, to, to go in and observe for a little bit is the defensive players just look different. I, I remember the 2018 uh, orange bowl when Oklahoma played Alabama and got, you know, they were down 28, nothing in the early second quarter, but I remember walking on the sideline before that game and a bunch of Alabama defensive players ran by. And I said to whoever was next to me, probably one of the other beat writers, like this game, they're not, Oh, you just can't win this game. Like you could just tell when the Alabama players ran by this is they're on a completely different level here. Yes. Uh, I don't think yes. that's the case anymore. I mean, you look at it's not, and it's not just the returners, you know, freshmen, Kelvin Gilliam, uh, Danny Stutzman, some of these young guys that are, that are out there that probably aren't going to play that much this year look like dudes. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I just think Oklahoma's kind of got it all. It's all lined up for them to to win it again this year. But Iowa State is certainly going to be a, a pretty pretty tough competitor. I mean, they almost beat them last year in the Big 12 title game. So 
Um, so yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I'm at there uh, when it comes to the Big Twelve champ. But one thing Matt Campbell told me this summer that just to file away is that if you look at the history of of what they've done at Iowa State, um, there's been a bunch of times when in terms of, in terms of the the big wins they've had where that second time that they get a chance to do something, they do it, you know? And so they came really close last year. You had Purdy driving down with a chance to go win that game, came up short, um, just too many mistakes in that game. You know, not, not all on him. He did a lot of things in that game to give them a chance to win that game. But it's one of those where it's like, if, if that team can, can keep it all together, stay healthy and all that and get back to that stage, I think there's a ton of confidence from on their side of it, that it'll go differently this time. Here's what, here's what it comes down to to me. In the Big 12, it's hard to go through this conference late undefeated. The last time it happened was 2016 when Oklahoma did it. There, that was their 11-2 and two year. Yeah, I, I don't think they made the playoff that year. No, but no. but and So it's hard to get through unscathed. And Iowa State, like I said, twice in the last five meetings has beaten Oklahoma. And like you said, came, came, they were right there at the end uh, with a chance to, to, take, to, to win it late. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. I look at that and I look at everything they bring back and I look at that coach and I look at that staff and I think, you know what, man, I really think they can do it. I really do think they can do it. And that's why I picked Iowa state to win the conference this year. Uh, I, of course, if, if Oklahoma wins, that won't be stunned at all, but I think Iowa state legit is a playoff contender and legit. It could win the big 12 championship. Uh, with all the talent they got back. I think and, they, and all by the, the way, circumstances no, come together here in my opinion. N- none of the stuff that's going on in the Big 12 right now like affects Iowa State at all. Like that nope. Campbell is, and his players are very, very good at just locking in and saying, we got a job to do this year. And all the stuff going on outside the building about the future of the Big 12, they don't care about it. Like I know that's going to get asked a lot of coaches, like, oh, is this a distraction to you guys this year? Not for Iowa State, I can say that. No, and honestly, I really don't think, and we, we talked about it earlier, I don't think the players really think about this stuff. No. Even the Texas and Oklahoma, I don't. Dude, like, Texas players don't even know if they're going to get to play in the SEC. Yeah, the, you know? the, I mean, the, it's it's what do you care? The you fan, know? the fans are going to have the cat calls and stuff like that in, in the road games, but for the most part, man, these guys ain't ain't really worried about that. It, it, they're worried about just playing the games. And Jason, can I want to circle back to something you just said? Do you say you've only had an open period during practice twice so far in camp? Yeah, it, we're in August nineteenth. That like even so you're saying even the 30, 40 minutes or 20, 30 minutes you get out, that's all you have only y'all have only had it twice. More like fifteen to twenty minutes. Um, wow. And yes, we've That's brutal. That's worse hey, than Texas hey, A&M. Hey, oh. Have you seen some champion <laughs> has it been championship level stretching though, do you feel like, just from what you've I seen? I mean, you know, I've never seen better stretching. Let, let me just put it that way. Uh <laughs> no, and to to be honest, Sam, the, the crazy thing is this is actually more than usual. We usually just get one. 15 or 20 minutes. Wow. So, you know. Man, Texas has had open periods almost every, not every practice, but most of their practices for 30 to 40 minutes. And, of course, like like we said last night, we had the open practice. But like I said, I said Oklahoma sounds worse than A&M. Even A&M's had more than uh, two open periods during uh, during this uh, training camp, this deep end. So, uh, but that said, I, I say all that to say you are right. It does matter to see what guys look like when you go see guys even if you don't get to see a lot of 11 on 11, when you see how guys are put together, I can promise you for someone who has seen Alabama play and I've seen Alabama warm up against other teams, boy, you can tell the difference in body types mm-hmm. from, from Alabama and everybody else. And so uh, the fact that, that Oklahoma's bodies and, and especially on defense are a lot better and a lot different now than they have been in the past, I think speaks a lot to, to the recruiting job they've done and how good they could be 
this year. No doubt about it. Well, guys, uh, this has been fun. Please subscribe to the Andy Staples and Friends podcast feed. Uh, We're here every Thursday with One True Pod. Uh, Please leave a review and a good rating, and you can find all of our stories on The Athletic. If you're still not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash onetruepod. You'll get comprehensive coverage of OU Texas, the future of the Big 12, and everything else. Now is a great time to sign up, especially with the season just right around the corner. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much again for listening. Mm